Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Progress Over Perfection Coaching Podcast, where we talk about career management and development by offering insight on how to build an intentionally balanced and purpose-filled career. Today, we're talking about generative AI and how it can be applied on both an organizational as well as individual level. I'm joined by two special guests, Chuck Sigmund and Josh Penzel, co-founders of TheaterThink, a company that offers consulting services focused on the intersection of acting theory and learning design. Josh is a head consultant with over 15 years of experience in coaching, strategy, leadership, and innovation, using TheaterThink to solve big business problems in the age of generative AI. Chuck, who you may remember from episode 7 of our show, is a training professional with experience in designing and implementing training programs for global companies that's skilled in using e-learning tools and technologies to help companies reduce training costs and improve employee performance. Generative AI is a rapidly developed developing field with the potential to revolutionize many industries. It's already being used in a variety of ways and carries a variety of connotations that are often used very generally. So how can you use generative AI to boost your career? That's what we're going to talk about in this episode. So without further ado, let's hear from Chuck and Josh. Right, so Chuck Sigmund, Josh Benzel, thank you so much for the time. Super happy to have you on the show and talk a little bit about AI and in the world we live in today. So I think maybe kick off. Obviously, we'll do a little, we've got a little intro that, that played, but give you a chance to tell a little bit about you, Chuck. Obviously, you're a returning guest, so maybe uh, lead sure. off with uh, with a yeah, little bit. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about what my uh, position is now. It's been changed since the last time I've visited you. Um, it, with my buddy Josh here, I am uh, executive director and co-founder of Theater Think. And also I own my own uh, instructional design business, promobilebi.com. Um, and we do uh, L&D development for small and, and medium-sized businesses primarily. Awesome. And Josh, first time on the yeah. show. Super happy to have you. Thanks for having me. Um like I think Chuck said, co-founder and artistic director of Theater Think, which uh, came out of some conversations Chuck and I had, but also a background I used to have in, well, I still have it, but in a directing musical theater um, in a previous career. And then at some point realizing it's better to be an artist who supports starving artists rather than be a starving artist. <laughs> so yeah, we focus on L&D like Chuck have been around the block probably too many blocks legs are hurting knee, knees are <laughs> popping when we wake up in the middle of the night but um uh, all, all good stuff and yeah just really thinking about human behavior um how we help people perform the role they want to perform and now with ai figuring out how we can help folks co-generate solutions with ai so anyway there you go. Awesome. That's great. Maybe uh, it'd be great for like a brief starter to help set the set the stage to continue on with the theme. Um, what is theater think and and maybe how did that come about and and you you guys have teed up a little bit, but maybe you could dive a little bit deeper into into what that is. Well, you know, sure, I'll get I can... to that, but I, I think maybe I want to ask first. You know, yeah. we're we're meeting right now. We're you know, we're recording this podcast and, may, and maybe I'll ask you even, uh, Patrick and Chuck, and then I'll answer it myself. What if a um, if a genre of book, a, a book genre could 
describe how you are doing right now in this moment. What what would that book genre be and why? And Patrick, I'll force you to go first just because Chuck knows this exercise. So why don't you take a second and think what, what book genre oh, would describe how you're feeling right now? And if and if, if a genre is too much, you can think of a book, whatever, however you want to answer the question. But right now, how you're oh, feeling man. at this moment? Um, I'm going to have to go with like inspirational business self-help in the best possible Ooh. way. Like I'm, I'm feeling like I'm ready to learn from you guys, kind of get the positive energy flowing and, and look for ways to to apply what you guys do into, into my own career and kind of find bits and pieces to plug in. Are, are you one of those self-help novels with a lot of stories and, and not as much content? Or are you one of those self-help novels with a bunch of content and not as many of those um, made up? stories maybe they're not made up they always seem made up yeah like the, like the like the like <laughs> yeah. the patrick lencioni kind of like uh fictitious kind of like setting i, I like i'm those. not naming names yeah. i'm not naming names. <laughs> yeah um probably more on more on the stories but peppered in with some hey yeah. we've done some research you know here's here's the points to back it up less on the the lengthy citation of the study that was conducted so i love that i love it chuck yeah. you're up I- this one's easy for me. I would say science fiction, and I'm not a big sci-fi reader, but <laughs> this this meeting of the three of us feels incredibly surreal to me. Um, uh, you know, as I was mentioning, I've known Patrick for 11, 12 years in a completely different realm, a completely different role that we were both in. I've known you, Josh, for about eight years now. Again, it, we've moved through four or five different sets of roles, each of us. And to sit back, if somebody had asked me a number of years ago, hey, we're going to bring the three of you together to be talking about futuristic things like AI and how AI is impacting our business decisions and how we're using it in our actual jobs, there's just no way I could have imagined that. So I I just really love that we're bringing this together. And, and, you know, we've got some great ideas here. I feel like I'm in one of those like philosophical, esoteric sort of books you know the inner game of tennis and of motorcycle repair like something where it's like <laughs> semi-memoir semi-self-help a lot of sort of philosophy and you walk away and you're like i don't know what to make of all this man but whoa far out <laughs> you know so uh so thanks hey th- thanks patrick for going through that yeah. i think it actually links to and i'll let chuck talk about how this actually all kicked off because it's sort of his fault but I think really what what we realized is, you know, metaphor, right? So I just used it. I asked you to like basically use a metaphor. And by the way, this opening is great. Teams, if you're leading, if you're doing an icebreaker with the team, I've always found this to be, and you could do weather, animal, whatever. But you'll notice a few things. One is it, it forced you to sort of think outside the box in a way that um, you had to re-describe like how you're feeling in something almost abstract, right like like something that might not make sense to other people but somehow made sense to you and then you had to explain it and other people might even take other stuff from it right mm. so i was like oh which one are you which of these self-help novels right yeah. if we were talking sci-fi we could have even talked are we old are we new are we this are we that and so you know there's a power of metaphor right to to reestablish sort of something and get us all on the same page and yeah, what's I, fascinating about that opening chuck i'll let you talk about that you know yeah i was going to say there's there's one more thing about that that's really powerful to me and that's that 
we said it in a context, right? He didn't just say, Patrick, how are you feeling? He said, mm. in this moment, what sort of book genre fits for you and why? And that forces you to explain all of the different pieces that are going into those feelings, right? Mm. That metaphor, mm. rather than just saying, hey, Patrick, how are you feeling tonight? And Patrick says, oh, I'm doing great, right? Well, but why are you great? Oh, my wife just got a promotion and my kids got an A on her, on her uh, grade card and, right? But forcing you to really think about and then describe that metaphor, that, that uh, context is crucially important to really getting to understand where you're at. And we'll get into it more when we talk about theater thinking and how that applies to um, AI. But I, I want to back up for just a very quick second and talk about kind of where all of this started, yeah. because for me, that's one of the most exciting things. And and I like to describe to people, I'm, I'm riding Josh's coattails here, frankly. Um, Josh and I, for, for several years, have had regular meetings where we get together and we just kind of riff on things. And he was talking about theater, and I don't have a theater background, right? I mean, Josh has had decades of theater background, could name every single play on Broadway for the last 30 years, probably, or more. Um, and we were talking probably about before and, the last 30 years. I'm there you go. An old, an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> he was explaining some things about theater and how directors work and producers work and how when you're planning a play, how the director talks to the actors and how the actors interact. And he was going through this. And all of a sudden I had one of those moments where everything becomes crystal clear to you and you just stop. And I said, Josh, time out. You got to stop talking for a minute, which uh, you'll, you'll notice in a bit, that's not always easy. And I said, this is exactly what we're dealing with in business on an everyday basis. The problem we have in business is that we've got different actors, right? You've got your operations people, you've got your finance people, you've got your HR people, you've got all these different actors who are using what they believe to be the same language. They use the exact same words. I'm going to use my, my perfect example, objective. Objectives for an HR person are not the same as objectives for operations. They're not the same as, op as objectives for learning and development people, right? But we get into a room to talk about a project and we throw the word objective out there. And I, as an L&D person, go, oh, Patrick, as a buyer, knows exactly what I'm talking about because we're using the same words. And what occurred to me as Josh was describing how the theater works is they coalesce around the, the definitions of language and specific words have specific meaning. And it occurred to me in that moment, the more we could figure out how to use the language of theater, and, and Josh will get into the four M's in just a minute, and take that back out to our businesses, then we all start to have the same language. We have the same understanding. And when we have those conversations, they go much more efficiently and much more effectively. And hopefully we have far fewer conflict, and I think, points of conflict. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, and I think, no, I think one of the things you were struggling with there too is not just with different departments, but even in L&D, you were saying, I think an objective is this, Yeah. right? Like, like a business objective is when I say the word objective, I'm mean a business objective, reduce turnover, increase CSAT, whatever it was. But when they're saying objectives, they're thinking learning objectives. And we're in this room, you know, to 
to be able to describe X, Y, and Z, or our favorite to understand, which that's a whole other podcast, right? Something. <laughs> and and I think what I started, you know, it, I think maybe I said something to the effect of, well, you're in a Shakespeare play and they're in a, a musical. Yeah. Right? And the idea that if we all take a step back, and it's actually similar to what gamification has been trying to do for a long time and probably did do, which is it resets everything, right? And, and just to go off what Chuck was saying, it could be everyone's doing Hamlet. Like, how many times has that been done over the, right? But why is it always different? Well, it's because we all come to a group ensemble dis- sort of like decision on how we're going to approach that. And it's not something I can just describe. It's something that's sort of ineffable, right? And so we approach it with a metaphor. And as we started talking, I think we realized, Chuck, oh, wow, we have performance reviews. Performance reviews. Oh, job roles right and we started saying wow this is actually a pretty a pretty interesting metaphor for what business is and now when i describe this i talk about the fact that a lot of people used to think when i i came from the theater right and so i went into training and got into it somehow you know like all of us sort of like a side you know all of a sudden you're the training guy and everyone go man you're so good at it because you know how to act you can perform in front of an audience. And I hated that because if you're facilitating in a room, you're not performing. Your job is to try to get every single member of that group to perform at their job when they go back to their role in a way that is engaging, authentic, all of that stuff, right? Because one salesperson following the same sales pr- process and script, God forbid, should not be a you know a a copy uh, a cookie cutter of the other person, right? You you need them to both come across as authentic, and that's going to take something different because they're different humans. And by the way, what are theater actors doing all the time? Well, you're going to go see Phantom of the Opera, and actors perform eight times a week, and you have to see the same performance whether you're seeing it Tuesday night or Saturday matinee. And by the way, there might be another performance of Phantom of the Opera going on in Name Your Location. The show's been running forever with the same words, the same blocking, the same this, right? And if you hear my kid in the background, that's because, you know, she's so excited about what I'm talking about. But, and by the way, parenting, great metaphor for a lot of things. But um, but what you start to realize is that is what we are. We are directors, the learning environment is a rehearsal for their performance, performance review, which is on the job. The script, we're not writing a, the script is not the learning, is what we're doing with the learning stuff, right? The script is what they're going to perform on the moment in front of the client who's their audience and who's the producer at the business, mm-hmm. right? And who are the set designers and lighting designers and all these folks? Oh, they're the people who are doing your software, who are doing this, who are doing that, right? And Mm. if you start to think about it this way, you realize, oh, what we're doing isn't performing for these folks. We're enabling them by through a rehearsal, or if you want to be a coach, a scrimmage, or if you want to choose your other metaphor, right? You're the in the Boy Scouts, you're the pack leader, or the or that was Cub Scouts actually, right? I'm not a very a good eagle scout but you are trying to get them to perform on their own because you won't be there when you're there mm-hmm. and as we started unpacking this 
you know, I think that's where Chuck and I had this like joint aha moment. And just so everyone knows, if you're ever in like a place in your life where you're trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do? What's the value I bring to the world? Um, who am I? Why am I here? Uh, which is an old Ross Perot reference. You, you got to talk to Chuck and and he doesn't charge me for it, but if he charges you, it's worth it. Just saying. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, and I think, I think that led to really kind of this framework of where do we go with theater thinking? What does that look mm. like? And at the end of the day, we really came up with sort of four pieces of the model and um, Josh describes them as the four M's. Um, that's metaphor, which we've been talking about, mechanism, modality, and muse. And I'm gonna, I'm a, Josh does a much better job of describing these. So I'm gonna turn it back over to him for just a minute. But I want you to think about as he's talking about these things, how are these, how do these fit into any business model, right? What we're talking about is not just something that works on the theater stage. And that's where I really had that moment of this fits no matter where you want to put it. It can fit in L&D. It can fit in an operations organization. It can fit in a product development organization. It really is a model for how you approach your work and how you approach your decision making. Yeah. What is your what is the situation or the work you're in like? It's like what? Is it like a mission impossible team and everyone has their specialty and you got to put together the right team for every mission? Or is it like, you know, um, what's another TV show? Is it like the A-team? The Avengers. Is it like Charlie's Angels? Wh whatever it is, right? What is it like is the metaphor. And then once you engage with a metaphor, you start having these mechanisms. There are things the metaphor brings with it. In theater, you have scenes, you have productions, you have plays, you have what the actors are doing, you have rehearsals, right? We could, we can start to use all of that. And, and as you've seen, I've already been doing that. And as we roll through that, and we start going through that, and we say, oh, we're going to do a rehearsal, right? Which could also be called a scrimmage, or a role play, or whatever the thing is you want. As we keep doing that, we engage in that metaphor in a way that we are now using those mechanisms in some sort of tactile way to discuss or do something. And then we get what I call the muse moment. That's the, you know, when we used to do facilitation, that's the aha moment. That's the light bulb moment, right? Something happens where you start to think, where you start to think, um, you know, wow, I just had an idea from that. And by the way, then you revisit the metaphor. And sometimes that's where I'll go, wow, oh, it's actually like a NASCAR race. We're all trying to boom, 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 like in three seconds, do everything. We have to be so in line with each other and so aligned that we can do what we need really quickly. You might say, yeah, theater, it's actually like we're all in different scenes. So I'm in a scene right now with you, but what happens in the next scene? You know, you're talking to your boss and so many folks I talk to in L&D or in other organizations, they go, my boss doesn't get it. And I would say, well, what's the scene after your scene? What's the next scene in the play? You're in one play, they're in another play. These both are concurrently happening. So what's the scene they're going to have with their boss? What does their boss want? Right? Mm -hmm. And when you start talking in these ways, you have a way of communicating and realigning everyone into a new sort of way of thinking.
And by the way, I mean, I think we all know metaphor is a way we all think naturally. We're all trying to connect what we know to something else, right? And yeah, so it's love- just natural. So those are the four M's. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I love the the way that you tied it in at the end uh, to kind of shrink the the metaphor, shrink the idea of the play down to an individual level. Because I think the way that you described, or the way that it was described at first, it's very natural to think of it as this way that, you know, commonly leaders say, oh, here's our strategy. Here's how we kind of set it. Here's the role that you have to play. Here's how we go in flight. And you can kind of disassociate on an individual level from that, where it's like, all right, I'm a player in this. Here's my role. Here's what I do. So I think I, I just want to say, I love the way that you tied it in to say, like, oh, this is yeah. my play where maybe in this play, I'm the main character in that play. I'm an extra or I'm a, I'm a supporting cast it, kind of thing. So you got it. And it's, and it's, it can be any metaphor, right? And this isn't like, it's like kind of like Addy, if for my old L and D folks, it's not a linear process. It's yeah. a model for thinking through things, mm. right? And it's not like it's fixed. It's just a way to think about it. Well, and I think you made two great points in there, Josh, that, that I want to hit on. And I, I'm, I'm actually going to use a, a real life example here because I'm a Great. big sports, I'm a sports nut. So we'll, we'll talk about baseball for just a minute. Um, and the two points that Josh made that I thought were really important. The first is that it is a personal experience, right? All of this comes down to that individualized, how do we approach it? And not each person is going to do things differently, but within a model, right? And the second thing is that it's an iterative process. You don't just do this once. It's Anytime you're learning something, for example, right? You don't just, we, we teach you in classroom one time, say, good, you're go, put you out on the floor to go build something. That's not how that happens. Um, you know, years ago when, when we first met Patrick and I was training people out on the uh, manufacturing floor and they had to use these very large, dangerous pieces of equipment, I didn't just show them how to do it once and say, okay, you're good to go. Just don't <laughs> chop your arm off, right? We had yeah. lots of practice. We had evidence that they knew how to do it. They, right, they demonstrated all of that. So it's that whole iterative practice process before we let them go. Now, bring it back to baseball for just a minute. If we think about, okay, you're in a baseball game. The metaphor here is we need to set the context. What's, what's the framework for what we've got? Okay, well, I'm going to say, gosh, Josh, you're a hitter. It's currently the bottom of the ninth. The bases are loaded. Your team is down by three runs. You're the leading home run hitter in the league. There are two outs. You're up to bat. Do we all understand the context now, right? I didn't just say, oh, Josh is a baseball player. I gave all of that context. I I gave that real, um, the the secret sauce, if you will, kind of that feeling, you know, exactly what's going on. I said, okay, here's what we need you to do, Josh. We need you to hit a home run. That's what needs to happen on this play. So I need you to get ready. You've practiced this God knows how many times, 10,000 times in your career hitting the ball. You've probably been in the home run derby this year and maybe even won it, right? So you know how to hit a home run. I'm letting you know what we need out of you. Say, okay, here's, here's I'm going to give you some suggestions, Josh. This pitcher, whenever he brings his mitt up to his face, he's going to pitch a fastball. So you watch for that, and the fastball is coming, and you belt that fastball out, right? So now I've given him those suggestions. I've done some of that coaching. I may have even choreographed it with him a little bit, said, okay, when that fastball comes, it's going to come about belt high. I want you to swing just under your belt and lift it up over the, over the wall for the home run. Then he gets up to bat hits the home run, bam, we've got that aha moment. We win the game. Everybody's happy, right? If it doesn't work, guess what? He's going to have another at-bat in the next game. 
right? So it's mm-hmm. that iterative process. And he's going to have learned, oh, that guy, he didn't quite pitch below the belt. It was right at belt high. So next time I have to adjust my bat just a little bit. So it's all of that process of not just doing it, but learning from what you mm-hmm. did last time and collecting that data. And, and we're, we're now starting to get into where we're going with AI. I, yeah, I, I hope yeah. you're starting to see it, right? You're collecting that data so that the next time you go, you're in the same situation, you go, ah, I remember what happened last time. Here's why I wasn't successful or as successful as I wanted to be. So here's how I need to make an adjustment so I'm better next time. And Josh, I saw you starting to say something. Well, what I was going to say was you're also giving context. You're not saying, hey, do your weight shift. Do your weight shift at this point and count to three and do this exact thing. Because, I mean, I grew up in Houston. And I remember there was a ball player, Jeff Bagwell. If you know him, you know him. If you don't, you don't. Uh, that's the only probably one of three ball players I know. But he had like a weird stance, right? He was like really low to the ground. But the coach wasn't saying stand up for this one and swing whatever. The coach was saying, right, this guy's going to pitch this next pitch like this, or he knew we were going to do this. And so then you are empowered within a certain vessel to do something by providing the context. Or providing the information around it, which I think is going to get to, I mean, this is really how we deal with AI in many ways, is now imagine, and I guess we can jump there, is imagine you have the ball player or the actor or so as I think a child, like the one who sometimes cries in the background, right? So let's actually use the, the crying child as an example. Why is the child crying? It doesn't understand the context, right? She doesn't understand what's going on. She doesn't know there's something recording right now. Right. AI, generative AI specifically, is a child with the entire world's knowledge at its fingertips and it knows it and it can use it. But what does it not know context? Right. It it doesn't know the difference between a podcast and a video. And I mean, it knows what the words are, but it's like the old Star Trek where they're drinking the wine and they go, this tastes like nothing. This doesn't taste like wine because you're seeing it from the outside. Right. And that's what we have to provide to AI to help it do what we need to do. Yeah. And I think I'm sorry. Go ahead, Patrick. Oh, no, I I love that lead in. I think maybe before we we get too deep into AI, if maybe there's a brief like primer that you guys could give in terms of like demystifying or or kind of creating some specificity around different terminology, because I think like AI, GPT, like machine learning or ML, like those all get kind of thrown together. And and I'll be honest, like as they come across in the media, I feel I feel like I'm my parents when I was younger and I start using it as like the proper, like the AI, like the Nintendo, you're not going to play the Nintendo. You're not going right. to, you got to use the AI. So, I mean, is there a way to kind of, at least for me, make me, make me feel a little more intelligent when using those words and make sure that I use those terms correctly? Yeah. That's so a great metaphor for this. Let me, let me back up and, and make a great comparison for you. And, and I think this is where a lot of people are getting things wrong with AI right now. Um, and for, for right now, when I say AI, I, I'll be referring to ChatGPT, right? ChatGPT mm-hmm. is, is one of the primary tools out there. We'll get there. Generative AI. Right, yeah. Chuck? yeah. A lot of people right now are approaching AI as if it's a fancy Google search. Mm. And by that, I mean, they're looking for an answer. They put in a question. How many millions of miles is the sun from the earth? And, and ChatGPT can answer that question, mm-hmm. but guess what? So can Google. 
right? That mm -hmm. they're using it as an answer bot, an answer agent. Mm -hmm. Google is an answer agent. Google doesn't know how to make decisions. Google doesn't know how to um, discern or decipher between ideas and concepts. It is strictly looking at the words you put in and saying, oh, you asked me how many miles away is the sun? I give you the answer. It's 40 million miles away. Well, now I'll say it's an advanced answer engine, Chuck, uh, sure. right? Yeah. Because it can say, you know, Google's going to say, here's how big the cargo space in your car is, right? The generative AI like could say, oh, you want to put this sofa in your, yes, that will fit. Mm -hmm. But that's still an answer. Yeah. <laughs> the, where we get into the difference is that generative AI, which is the, the, the heart and soul of chat GPT, that's the G in GPT is generative, is a solution agent. Mm -hmm. It is not just give me a question, I'll give you back the answer. It's let's talk about, let's have a conversation about an issue, a problem, or whatever. And you and, and chat GPT, and this is my favorite word ever, co-generate a solution. Mm -hmm. Because ChatGPT can't do it on its own. You have to give it that context. You have to give it the metaphor. You have to get, you have to give it what to approach from. So for example, it, um, if I, I, I did this recently, I'm trying to um, work out more, eat better, all of that. And part of what I'm trying to do is gain some weight, gain some muscle weight as I go to the gym. Well, I, I wanted to put together a diet, right? And, and have it, Give me some meals. I can go to Google and say, give me 2000 calories worth of meals in a day. And, and it'll do that. It'll give me, you know, a, a little menu. But what I was able to do is go to ChatGPT and say, I want you to pretend you are a registered dietitian. I am your client. I am a 54 year old male. This is how much I weigh. This is how tall I am. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you either of those. Um, <laughs> And my goals are to lose 5% body fat, to do this, to this, right? Put my goals in there. Please give me a five-day meal plan, including all of the recipes that will get me to those goals. And guess what? In two minutes, I had a full meal plan for a week, yeah. right? And I could, I could change that up if I wanted and say, oh, I forgot to mention, and this is the, this is the conversational piece, mm -hmm. right? That you can never do with Google. Google does not remember. If I yeah. ask a question first and get an answer and then ask a follow-up question, it doesn't remember that I asked that first question. ChatGPT is so powerful because it is a conversation. It remembers where it left off. I gave it all that information. It answered me, gave me, you know, gave me a solution. And then I said, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention I'm a vegan and mm -hmm. I have high cholesterol. Oh, okay. Here's your modified plan, right? And we can do this infinitely. We can yeah. keep having this ongoing conversation with ChatGPT because it remembers, because it can reason through it and say, oh, all right, if, you're ha if you have cholesterol problems, I'm not going to give you eggs, even though, right? Well, I said I was a mm -hmm. vegan, so I wouldn't get eggs anyway. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to say you're not going to eat eggs because those are high in cholesterol. Um, yeah, well, can, go ahead. sorry. Go, yeah, I was going to say no, that's good. the co-generative part, mm -hmm. right? Is it's not replacing us. It's that it's speeding through it and then I can respond to it. And I think 
if we just look in the market right now and you were to Google generative AI, you'd see all this prompt engineering, create the right prompt, the perfect prompt, right? And what's important to realize is I can spend, I'm a human. There's mental energy it takes me to create a prompt because I'm thinking through, oh, does it have the right thing? Does it have the right this? Does it write that? And by the way, uh, we can talk about how to create a really good starting prompt. But like an actor used and a director, right? The director's watching what the actor's doing and going, all right, now let's pause. I want you to do that again and X, Y, and Z, right? And you can keep doing that until you get the response you want. I think a lot of people miss that with generative AIs. It's not, some people go, oh, it didn't give me the response or it's a really simple response or that's not great. And I go, but that's not the point. The point is it gave you that, which is 50% of the way there, 80% of the way there in seconds. And now you can say, hey, chat GPT, that's great. Great, but I also need it to be low cholesterol and da 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 da. And I don't think fish is really something, you know, th that side of fish has a lot of mercury in it. And I don't think that's Or you could even throw in ever. like a, hey, by the way, I'm on this budget, build me this shopping right. list. Absolutely. With this budget. It, or or, or yeah. you say, you know, what you gave me was not perfect. Now, what the reason, why is it not perfect? I didn't give it enough boundaries. I didn't tell it yeah. enough stuff. I didn't give it the given circumstances enough. And now I'm using theater language, by the way. And so it's a conversation to create something, right? And I think that's what people miss. People spend so much time thinking about the prompt engineering and getting the perfect prompt that they miss the point that if you start with the imperfect prompt, mm. you can get to the perfect prompt. Yeah, I love you that the uh, the prompt like the go. the call to be iterative to say like, hey, we're not going to get it right perfectly. Let's start here, and then maybe you learn like, oh, I didn't even think to ask this to begin with like oh and then who knows what kind of path you end up on and and like you said that co-generative process is now you've gone from something that you didn't know that you could create to begin with ending with something that's hopefully better than you would have gotten to well and the, the way i do that for myself is this is really almost a visual technique for me i imagine chat gpt as an expert in whatever it is i'm asking about so mm -hmm. again going back to the working out at the gym I, I asked it to help me put together a plan for working out. You know, what, what exercises should I do on each day? So again, I gave it that context. You are a personal trainer. You're helping this person who's 54 years old, blah, 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 right? Oh, I did give you my age, sorry. Uh, <laughs> right? And again, gave him my goals, right? Here are the things I'm attempting to achieve. Can you please put together the plan? Okay, so it did that. And I said, well, that's great, but I don't recognize three of these exercises. Could you please give me some description of how to do this? That is no different than I would do if I were standing in the gym and you, Patrick, were my personal trainer and you said, hey, I want you to go over and I want you to do uh, landmine, uh, landmine curls. And I go, sure, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> And you go, oh, okay, you're going to go over and you're going to grab this piece of equipment and let me demonstrate for you, right? Now, ChatGPT can't demonstrate, but it can tell me what I need to do, right? And I go, oh, all right, that's pretty good. So it's that process of having that conversation with the expert. And if you really can visualize it as the expert in whatever topic you're, you're having a conversation about. Um, the other one I love, and, and people use this as an example all the time, and, and I just think it's fun, is just fun <laughs> to say that you you can tell it 
how you wanted to present the information to you, right? So, uh, Patrick, you're an expert in, in nuclear physics. Patrick, could you please, you know, ChatGPT, please explain how nuclear physics works to me. And it yeah. will give me, right, tons of information. Yeah. Then I'll say, oh, that's way too complicated. I know nothing about it. Can you please explain it to me as if I'm a 10-year-old? Yeah. And now all of a sudden it changes its language. It changes how it presents it. It even changes the examples that it uses and puts them in the right context for the audience. Right. Yeah. And again, you, you heard me say audience with the same thing we, they, they, that they do in the theater. Right. Who's my audience? Well, I'm going to do I, I actually uh, took my, my grandkids to see uh, Romeo and Juliet a while ago. Romeo and Juliet for a seven year old is not presented the same as it is for adults, right? It, same story, same same concepts, a little bit of change at the end, <laughs> just, yeah. just saying, but, yeah. but it's presented differently, right? So it's, it's just asking and creating that context so it knows how to respond. It's like you are saying before, By the way, like Julie framing it up in the right language for it to say like, hey, yeah. this is knowing the context to say how to, and it's so funny that the way that you describe that because I caught myself accidentally fall like using, using an engine like this just, just recently where I was trying to put my youngest daughter to bed and like been doing it for like trying to put her to bed for the past hour. And like, all right, I use, I use Bard, like Bard, tell me, how am I, how would I tell how I put my daughter, daughter to sleep? Yeah. How would I tell my daughter that she needs to go to sleep? And it gives me this brick of text. Like, cool. She's two. Tell me how to do, how you tell me how to tell a two-year-old? Cool. Simplify it even more. Yeah. Now give me bullet points. Now like yeah. perfect. Yeah. And so then you get the language of like mommy and daddy need you to go to sleep. So you grow up big and strong. And like, so it's, yeah, very interesting so, to use that as conversation. A few things to sort of throw in. First of all, uh, historically, Juliet was 13. I just want to let you let that <laughs> settle in for a second. Okay. You knew, you knew um, we couldn't leave that stuff alone. Yeah? But I, I couldn't because it's kind of freaky when you really start thinking about <laughs> well, it. Yeah. And they were all played by by men anyway. So, well, boys, the boys, the girls were yeah. played by boys who hadn't gone through puberty yet. But nonetheless, aside from that, I just want to describe. First of all, we've already described how the four M's. Let's go back to that for a second. Can be used to create a starter prompt. I want you to be blank. That's the metaphor. I want you to be a nutritionist. I want you to be this, right? Then it's the mechanisms. You are doing these things. You are evaluating X, Y, and Z for a 50, you know, uh, you, you don't look 54. So let's say a 45-year-old, a probably more like you look like 35, right? <laughs> um, you know, and you're doing those things and you need to create this and blah, blah, blah. And then I could say, and I want you to talk to me as though blank, or I want you to present this in a certain way. That's the mode. Right. And then the muse is, and in the end, this is what I need to know. Now, in some ways, we're getting that through the conversation. So I'm just saying, here's the metaphor. I need you to be a parental psychologist. And I need you to provide me X, Y, and Z because you're a parental psychologist. It gives you information and you interacting back and forth is what I'd call that mode or modality. And then at some point you get the answer you want and that's a muse. But what I want to, if I may use a theater metaphor, you're describing a character right now. Yeah. It, a character in that... And in gamification, we call it a persona. Sure. A persona, a character, it can do one thing. It's going to create a plan for a 35-year-old who can do X, Y, and Z, and da-da-da-da. And that's really powerful. But mm -hmm. 
is that really do I want someone who can only play one role or do I want an actor right an actor who can play multiple roles they might have a type but that's because that and so perhaps instead of saying you are so I could say you're a nutritionist you're helping me and I'm a 56 year old maybe it's you need to, you know, you find out the age of someone, you find out what they're dealing with, you find out these things, and you provide them a recommended menu. You do this by having a conversation with them about all the stuff that they might not even know they need, the mode. And in the end, you provide them with the final thing they need that is going to help them lose weight in the end or reduce their, you know metabolic whatever or get rid of their uric acid in my case right whatever it is you're going through that and now what i just created and this is where we get to that quote-unquote prompt engineering is i've created some sort of prompt that becomes an actor becomes what we might call an agent right i can go and re-ask it hey now i'm dealing with a 22 year old who's dealing with da -da -da. can you recommend a menu now i'm dealing with a three-year-old who won't, you know, like you were saying, hey, my kid's now three years old and won't go yeah. to sleep. What's this? Or my yeah. kid's now four years old and cries when they're going to sleep and comes into the room in the middle of the night and does these things. How would you recommend it? And yeah. so I've gone from a character or persona to now like an actor, a vessel. Right? Uh, yeah. And I can coach that actor to do different things. And by the way, what we're talking about, you could call this a program. Like in old school... You might call this, oh, I created a program that that helped recommend whatever. But what's the new programming language now? English. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, like, it's so interesting to tie that in, too, with the idea like, uh, you know, agile project management or something. You're designing a new tool. You're designing a, a you're creating user stories. You've got specific personas. Those are baked in from design. And that's what you're locked into. Like you're I mean, so like you're saying incredible power. If you can embed this in to say these are good starters, but now you've got somebody else that's mostly the way there but i need to tweak i need to gather a little bit more information from this user instead of saying which yep. which of the two users are you which of the two personas are you great this is this is how you can use the tool and this is how it's supposed to be effective assuming everybody else is the same or heck you're a dungeon master <laughs> right and based on what i am talking to you about and based on my responses and based on x y and z you are going to create a story if you've ever done L&D or you did it, you know, and you had to create all the branching scenarios, choose your own adventure, right? And it was a book and it had choices and you would go to the page and you could theoretically go through them all, right? But at some point there was a finite number. Now imagine that it's almost infinite because I don't have to build out every scenario. I just have to say, here's who you are. Here's how you describe it. And based on the way this person talks to you, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. We did this recently for um, uh, sales role-playing. Instead of building out and saying, oh, it's either this objection or that objection, we just say, right, you are this customer. You're concerned with these things. The person who's talking to you is this sales professional, and they need to sell you on X, Y, and Z. Don't make it easy for them. And by the way, here's what you care about. And now yeah. every time someone goes through that, Literally, the same person could go through it five different times. Yeah. And even if they give the same response, it, like an actor, like like a child who has the world's information at its fingertips, 
but doesn't know context and is recreating it every time is going to give you a new experience. That is incredibly powerful. Yeah. I mean, even to talk about like in that specific L and D space or training space to say like, cool, I've gotten to the end of my video module. Now I have to take my 10 question quiz. Oh, shoot. I got three wrong. Well, I remember through, I'll just breeze through it again and just, okay, now I got the other three, right. Imagine like, like you're saying is cool. Like demonstrate your competence here. Cool. You didn't do quite right. Let's try again from a slightly different angle and try and retest those kinds of things. Well, or instead of training or testing, just say, this is the real thing. Yeah. Like I start to think about someone was talking about, oh, I can create something where I enter a smart goal and it says, here's how you would improve the smart goal. And here's how you can do a better smart goal next time. And my response was, what if I just created an actor, an agent who could create smart goals? Hmm. Right now, my job is not creating a smart goal, which, by the way, why do you have smart goals? In order to help you produce something effectively, in order to help a human individual, right, achieve something. Well, now I can have the computer do that. And instead of focusing all my time on creating some sort of goal that's Mm going to help me do something, I can just focus on the doing. And I can do the coaching. And it can coach me in the moment. I mean, we could take this transcript of this entire podcast at the end. We could put it into AI and say, hey, could you create a transcript of this? Cool. Can you take that transcript? Could you put it into bullet points? Cool. Could you take those bullet points and put it into a takeaway? Cool. Could you create a quiz from it? Or could you create a prompt that could coach me on doing these things in the end? And by the way, I'll let Chuck say it because it's it's because I'm just proud that I I sort of gave it to him. (laughs) But that's my secret sauce is that prompt thing. Chuck, I'll let you explain it. (laughs) So when it comes right down to it, the ultimate piece of all of this as Josh just went through all of those different steps, right? I could ask it this, and then it's going to give me this. Then we're going to refine it more, and then we're going to do this. Then we're going to refine it more, and we're going to do this. Here is the secret sauce that he taught me that I, if people listening to this take nothing away from how to do prompting in, in ChatGPT, take this away. As your last prompt in your project, whatever you've done, however long you've been talking to ChatGPT, your last prompt should be ChatGPT. Now I would like you to be a prompt engineer. I would like you to review our entire conversation and write a single prompt that would capture all of the outcomes in the way that we expected and all of the detail and give me that prompt that I can take away and save for later. And quite honestly, I think that's what a lot of these folks who are are selling prompts on LinkedIn and some of the other places and, and I'm going to, I just want to voice a concern about that. I, I know a lot of people are going out, they'll, they'll see these books, you know, buy the top 10 prompts or the top 99 prompts, only $49. Those prompts work for that person who wrote those prompts. Those prompts do not have your context. They do not have the model that you need. This is why I, I'm so um, adamant that the, the 4Ms model, the, the, the theater think model, even if you don't call it theater think, the 4Ms model of giving it context giving it a way to approach these decisions rather than here is a fixed script that you're using is so much more powerful. Um, perfect example. I, I haven't programmed in um, JavaScript for, gosh, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years. And I had a work project 
for which JavaScript was perfect. And I said, wow, I, I really, you know, we could go and hire somebody who's a JavaScript developer. And I thought, wait a minute, I've got a great partner. ChatGPT is my partner. It's that co-generative process, right? I went in, I said, look, you are a JavaScript production expert. I need to build a, a JavaScript model that will do these things. Here's what I need to accomplish as a result of this script. Please write that for me, which it did. Then I tried it out and it worked most of the way, but then I wanted some tweaks. And of course I went back and we went back and forth and back and forth, probably, I don't know, probably close to 50, 60 times. Cause I had, you know, up front. I had an idea of what I wanted, but then when you see things, you go, oh, that's not quite what I'd like. I'd like it to be like this, or I'd like it to be like that. And at the end, I said, okay, now that we've done this whole thing, I know I'm going to have to recreate this again in another couple of weeks. Give me a prompt that I can put in one time that will give me everything you just produced. And I ended up with a prompt that was probably half a page long, maybe even a little bit longer than that. But I can stick that in ChatGPT today and it's going to give me that entire JavaScript program and I can rebuild what I need to rebuild. And again, I can go in um, to Josh's point earlier, I modified it a little bit and said, make these different pieces parameters and ask me for those parameters right up front so that we don't have to go back and forth next time. Right? So now I've got that one piece that frankly, takes about, I don't know, 20 to 40 hours of work off of my plate. And I can do it in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yep. And let, let's actually use a different metaphor, because I want to show the power of this. It's We call it theater think, but it's really engaging in a metaphor. So let's say you're the coach, right? And you're coaching the player and you coach them throughout the practice. And at the end, you say, okay, great. What are you going to do next time? Or what are the things we're going to engage in? And you summarize it. That's the prompt. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to show up at the next, right? And they have some sort of, oh, yeah, that's cool. You're going to show up at the next time. What are you going to do? You're going to keep doing it. This isn't like a one a one and done process. They're going to keep iterating, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, by the way, when people say prompt engineering, that's really what they mean is optimizing and continuing this discussion. So many people get caught up in, I need to write the perfect prompt up front. Yeah. That, that is a, you're going to be mentally exhausted if you try. <laughs> it to do doesn't that. happen. But if, if you start with a set and that's why it feels overwhelming. If you start with a sentence and it doesn't give you what you want, I always say, did you tell it that? Yeah. Did you tell <laughs> GPT or Claude or whatever the thing is that you yeah. want it? If you want to do something chat GPT can't do to Chuck's point, hey, I want to be able to upload a, this document and do these things and have it output in this way. And by the way, GPT is moving faster and faster into uh, chat GPT, at least, is adding more and more functions. But if you want to do something you don't know how to do, ask it how it would do it. It'll be like, oh, you could do that in Python. Mm -hmm. Oh, how do I program in Python? Oh, you just make this script. How do I write a script? What do I do? Oh, step one, install this. Step two, install that. And by the way, what are you doing if we're talking about behavior and learning change? Mm -hmm. It's like shadowing, right? You're learning how to program while you are asking it to teach you mm -hmm. how to do the thing you want. And by the way, we're only talking right now about, I mean, what I would call, uh, if we want to call uh, in the sports, the player 
or in in the theater the actor mm -hmm. how do we create an entire team or an entire production we can actually take this a step further and do that mm. right which is my favorite part because at some point someone's reacting to what you're doing so let's say i say you're the nutritionist and you're creating da da da, da and you're doing all these things and you're creating the perfect plan great you get it to a point it's creating the perfect plan but in real life what are you going to do are you going to give that to the client? You're going to let the doctor see it, right? You're, you're going to start. And so why not create actors for that? Mm -hmm. And now There's I can a... say, hey, look, hey, you're now the doctor, blah, 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 blah. I want you to look at this plan the nutritionist made and give me the feedback on what that looks like. And now I have an entire team of folks looking at something and giving me the feedback. I did this with a blog the other day and I said, hey, here's a blog post. You're a marketing consultant, write the blog post. And it wrote this blog post and I get to the point where it's writing a great blog post and it can't. And then I go, cool. Now you're the CEO, you're the CMO, you're the CRO, you're all these folks, you're the consumer, you're a consumer who's in, in who's a, in um, who's an individual contributor, you're a manager, you're an executive. I want you to read through it as though you're each of these people hmm. and give me feedback. And then I want you to be <laughs> right. I want you to be that person again and take all that feedback and integrate it. And now I've gone from persona <laughs> character to actor to production, right? I've gone from like whatever, you, I don't know what the equivalent, if you don't have a player, you'd have like the one time up, right? The person who's hitting the ball this one time, or who's doing this one-time play to the player to now the whole team that's looking at this entire thing and optimizing it for mm. you, right? Yeah. And it reminds me of um, there was a Thirty Rock. I don't know if you have ever seen it, but Jack Donahue, who's who's this? In a, you know, it's a right. But he basically says, "I'll play all the parts," and he gets up and he starts playing all the parts and he talks against himself and he goes, "Oh wow, <laughs> you won!" That's basically what it is. I mean, you could literally say, I want you to have a discussion. You could do this right now. I want you to have a discussion as though you're this philosopher, this philosopher, this philosopher, and this <laughs> philosopher. And I want you to argue about the existence of name your thing. Yeah. Go. And it'll have that discussion for you. And I think there's actually some people doing that right now where it's it's just an ongoing discussion. It's almost a theatrical uh, sort of thing where you just see yeah, this yeah, discussion yeah. going back and forth. But it was imagine the, like the, the endless like that. Seinfeld episode, like the yeah, right? like hey, just create right? here's this now. But um, imagine the, the power you've now unlocked, mm -hmm. and now if you are in any sense where you're gonna give, and by the way, this doesn't replace you. It's one of the things I. That's what make I was. Sure. No, that's yeah. exactly what I wanted to hone in on because no, I think no, that's no. where people start to hear like, oh, but but you just replaced sixty hours of yeah. writing JavaScript okay. with like ten minutes of work. What does that mean for my job? What do I do now? But what do we keep talking about is the reaction. You are still the arbiter of taste. You are still the one saying, here's what it needs to be or here's where it's not. Because you're a human and it's not, mm -hmm. right? It's, if, you, if you're a Star Trek fan, right? There was the Kobayashi Maru in Star Trek and it's the unwinnable situation and Spock created and all this. And then Kirk breaks this by hacking the program. He goes, mm -hmm. I don't believe in the unwinnable station. He hacks the program that's something only humans are capable of right mm -hmm. and so now what have you done 
in any case, you're going to have anytime you're dealing with humans in a business situation, learning and development is a really easy one because it's one that I've, I'm, I'm, I can talk to. You have a fixed cost and a variable cost, right? The fixed cost is your upfront investment. So what we're saying is, wow, I've just reduced the upfront investment, but what do I get? The same result. So what if yeah. instead we change that paradigm? Yeah, right? and that's I, I'm going to jump in there because that's this is where I get really. I stand up on my soapbox anytime somebody says, oh, well, this is just going to kill all of our jobs. The answer is no, it's not going to kill your jobs. It's going to make you more productive, not just in terms of how much you produce, but the quality of what you produce. If I talk about instructional designers and L&D, right, a lot of times it, I, I just did a presentation at Adobe Learning Summit a couple of weeks ago about this, actually. I said, you know, what is what is the biggest thing you hear from your business about why you can't do better work? Simple answer. Don't have enough time. Right. I need you to produce this course in three days so we can get it out by the end of the week. If you're a single person by yourself doing your stuff and I just handed you a PowerPoint presentation, I said, I need you to build an e-learning course out of that. And it's got to be done in three days. Guess what? That e-learning course, not interactive, doesn't have simulations, doesn't have scenarios. I'm going to take that PowerPoint. I'm going to paste it into Articulate Rise. I'm going to add some next buttons and back buttons. And I might have some basic interactions and a four, a four question multiple choice quiz at the end, all done, right? Because that's all I have time for. However, if now I have co-generative AI, if I have ChatGPT, and I wanna now talk just very briefly about some of the other tools that are out there, right? So if we look at something like MidJourney, which is an AI tool for creating videos, creating images, or being image creator, same sort of thing, you want to approach those the same way you do ChatGPT. I want an image of a purple dragon with red, with a red, uh, red hair blowing fire at a ninja. And I want that uh, photorealistic, right? So you give it all of the context, it comes up with the pictures. Same kind of thing. So I can now, rather than just taking that PowerPoint and posting and putting it into Rise, I can say, I have time to create the simulations and scenarios that Josh was talking about earlier, because that doesn't take me eight or 12 or 16 hours to come up with all of those options. I can create an actual scenario-based assessment because I don't have to, I, I can build that in chat GPT, giving it the context, giving it the information and say, give me five scenario questions with three answers each that have at least two possibilities. Give me a good, better, and best answer. Score those at 10, five, and one point each, right? It can build all of that in no time. And then I can take that and I can put it into my course authoring tool. And then I get to do the things that I do really well, which are instructional design. I can put the, the content in the mold, in the model that works best for my particular learning audience, right? I can design how that course flows so it works best in my environment. Those are the things that I can now bring to it that I could not bring to it before because I simply didn't have the time to do that. And hopefully you'll never see another e-learning course from me at least, that's just a, a back button and a next button, right? We don't have to do that crap anymore. And I, I think, think that's about the, the return on investment okay. now. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, I think that's the, it's the huge unlock to say like, yeah, you're, you're saving time for the, the, the more impactful human specific things you're automating the the mechanical time consuming tasks and i think in my own experience and as i think about it myself i think the the roadblock still ends up being like i don't know that i sure i like to do that i still don't know how to necessarily like fill my time with that like i just it's unbuilt muscle to try and say like 
wait, I don't have to do any of this. I don't need to spend four hours on a PowerPoint. I actually get to figure out how am I going to deliver it effectively? How am I going to actually think about the content and not do I have the animations right? How do I yep. not think about the transactions in SAP? Well, how do I think about delivering the story? I just loved something you just pointed out. Let's imagine that you're not the one that's going to deliver it. You're the mm -hmm. one, you're just producing the PowerPoint for somebody else, right? What if in addition to producing the PowerPoint, you gave them the presentation model, right? When you get to this slide, it, you know the content, right? Here's the best way to present that. ChatGPT can give you that feedback. Hey, here are the things you want to emphasize on this slide. If you give it the audience, my audience is the C-suite executives, right? Okay, you need to keep your, your bullet points really short. You need to talk in, in short sentences. You need to speak at a fifth grade level. Uh, <laughs> Just, right. As opposed to my audience is a bunch of customer service associates who work on the floor, right? Completely different context. And it can give you the script if you want a full script, or it can just give you the bullet points and ideas about how to actually do the presentation. You as the instructional designer who's developed that now is providing more value to the person who actually has to present it than you ever had time to do before. Yeah. And that's, and that, I mean, yes, there is a change in your skill set there. You're having to engage in what makes us more human. I mean, we just look back, right? Ford introduced the conveyor belt and you could do all this stuff. And then we ended up replacing that. I mean, this is a natural progression. But just imagine now that instead of having to tim that four hours creating the PowerPoint, you can just look at the PowerPoint that was created and go, I'm going to use my taste. I've done mm -hmm. this for years and I know what works. The director in a theater production, right, is saying, I'm going to take on the role of the audience and see what works. You have mm -hmm. rehearsals because it takes time to get the actors there. If you can get the actors there sooner, then you can start reacting sooner. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think that's how we have to look at it. Again, if I have the fixed investment up front, I can spend, and I think there are going to be people who say this, oh, great, I can spend less money to get the same sort of output. They're going to, I really think th that's not going to last. Because what's going to happen is people are going to say, oh, if I make the same investment I did up front, not less, so I don't spend less money or less resources, I put more resources into it or the same amount, I get exponentially more value on the other end yeah now i'm seeing value and a return on my investment and all of that stuff and i'm using more of what makes humans human one of the things that just occurs to me sometimes is i've never seen a sci-fi hey and we all know sci-fi sometimes is really good at predicting the future or, or sort of helping us some black mirror kind of like yeah yeah, yeah right exactly. yeah so or star trek sort of said things warp mm -hmm. speed and all these things that they you know it influences us i've never seen one where there were uh, uh computer or androids or something where the androids at some point didn't sort of get esoteric and religious in some way in which they're going what am i i'm just a computer is that all mm. i am Star Trek attached it, right? They, they looked at it by saying, oh, Spock, he's half human. If you've seen Battlestar Galactica, mm -hmm. right? These They are religious in this weird way. If you looked at um, Blade Runner, the original, 
right? That whole ending scene is all about, right? Like I've seen the stars, I've seen this. Mm-hmm. What more is there to me than just being a computer? Which by the way, is a question that humans have dealt with for thousands of years. What, what more am I than just a human? But what it actually allows us to do is engage with the parts of our humanity that make us human. The AI is only able to produce something new based on what it already knows. Mm-hmm. So let's look at any artistic movement or anything that's happened. It's been some sort of, I mean, there are geniuses. Let, let's just say there are there are people that somehow come about and somehow they get this idea and something new happens. And we have those moments in history. Well, that's and there are moments of disruption, AI. right? Exactly. Yeah. AI yeah. will never, I, I don't think, at least for the short term, AI will ever be able to replace that. And the other thing is when everyone goes, oh, the Terminator, I say, yeah, but look at Terminator 2. It took it took a Terminator to beat a Terminator, <laughs> right? Well, and I think the other yeah. way, the, the other way to really look at this that that I I hope resonates for a lot of people is we keep talking about this being a co-generative tool. If you think about it as a partner. It's a very smart partner, don't get me wrong, but it's a partner. You're the lead and it's a follower, always. ChatGPT, AI in any form cannot lead. It's simply not capable of doing that. It requires human intervention as a partner. Now, if your business can get to the mindset of, wow, right now I pay one guy, Josh, to do a job, right? And he's expensive, but I pay him to do this job. I can now get a partner for Josh, not quite as talented, but pretty damn smart for no cost. Why would a business not do that? Why wouldn't they look and say, wow, instead of paying for one guy and getting one guy's bright stuff, I'm paying for one guy and getting two guys brilliant. And that's going to exponentially grow what we're capable of doing. Right. Well, Chuck, you're even making me think, and this just, it's almost like you're giving, let's use Josh as the example or me, you're giving me a team of people. Exactly. That I can now that use, doesn't, that I it can doesn't cost with. anything. It doesn't cost That's anything. It doesn't cost anything. But now anything. I, I can or hire 20 bucks a month for ChatGPT4. Well, whatever. <laughs> and by the way, if I need it to do something else, I can ask it how to do it. But I'm almost creating a team of folks who now I can coach to do things that I want. And so I can get all the stuff the multiplier effect, I can get that to happen for me, right? And now I'm open to do the, I mean, Pareto principle, 80-20 rule, right? Mm -hmm. 80% of our time is probably spent doing, right? Like the stuff that doesn't matter. If I can get AI to do that for me, that's not a bad thing. That's an amazing thing because it opens me up Right. The 20 percent of time I used to have to do something now becomes the 80 percent. And I like too the, the idea that it's you get that partner and it's it's as the as the employee or the person that gets the partner. There shouldn't be that fear of like, is Chad GPT going to get employee of the month for all this work? Like it's right. it's still supplemental. There's it's the it's the supporting cast. It's having yeah. a really effective supporting cast. I, I love that metaphor. Right. It's not it's going from being the actor to the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's going from taking on the small role in the back to being that person who everyone is is coming around. Right. Yeah. You can. And, and that's the power, by the way, of engaging with the metaphor and sort of saying, 
here's who I am in relation to generative AI. Because generative AI will do a whole bunch of stuff if I approach it like generative AI. But if I start approaching it like co-generative AI, mm -hmm. right? Augmented me. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people, to, to that point, that's, that's a great point, Josh. A lot of people are talking about AI. You know, AI stands for artificial intelligence. It is not artificially intelligent. In, in, in truth, it's not intelligent. It knows everything we know. That doesn't make it intelligent. That just means it knows a lot of stuff. If you use AI and call it augmented intelligence, now you get this sense of it is augmenting our capabilities, right? It's, it's augmenting our intelligence rather than being intelligent unto itself, which it is not. Um, it just, it, again, I think that, that gives you a different sort of perspective on it yeah. um, and, and how to approach it. Yeah, and absolutely. I wanna, I ensemble. I, yeah, creating I an ensemble. To, exactly. Yeah. I want to go back to that for just a second. And in, in your question, Patrick, about, um, you know, people being afraid that their jobs yeah. are going to get lost and all of that. One thing that just occurred to me as we were talking is having a, an AI partner not only saves me time in doing my own job, but it saves all of the people that I report to a lot of time and effort. I'm going to think back to my time at Amazon. At Amazon, when you wanted to suggest a new product or a new service, you had to write a six-pager, a six-page paper that explained exactly what you wanted, why you wanted it, what the outcomes were expected to be, blah, blah, blah. And then you had to go and share that with a group of people who would evaluate that paper. And that generally was like the business development people, the IT people, confidentiality, maybe the product, the product team, right? All of those. Well, mm -hmm. you'd go in there, you'd give them the six-pager, and the way it works at Amazon, you now sit for 20 minutes or half an hour while they read the paper and they rip it to shreds. And then they ask you all sorts of questions, right? That's an expensive endeavor if you, because those folks are all high up. They're not C-suite, but they're pretty darn close, right? The, the amount of money in a one hour meeting with those folks at Amazon, thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. So going back to how Josh was describing something earlier, I write that six pager and I go, okay, I want you to be the director of IT. I want you to be the director of confidentiality. I want you to be the biz dev person. I want you to be a product manager. Tell me all the things that I got wrong in here. And it's going to. Now I fix it. I go and I meet with those people. Their time, we've just reduced that, that review time probably by 50% or more. <laughs> and won't they appreciate that I took the effort going in there to make sure that the product, the the proposal that I have for them is as tight and as crisp as it possibly can be from each of their individual perspectives. I didn't just take my perspective, right? Because I'm, I'm an L&D guy and I go, oh, it looks great from an L&D perspective. I, I'm going to give that to them. And the product team goes, it just doesn't work. There's no way we can build this that, you know, you're saying it's going to cost $10,000 can cost a hundred thousand. It's just not going to happen. But by taking each of those perspectives with ChatGPT, now I've taken in all of that information. And when I share out my doc, they go, wow, this is, this is actually doable. This is something really great. Let's see what we can do to move forward. Well, and the better it's going to be, because you could say be the CLO, be the CMO. Yeah. It's going to choose a CMO. But is it the CMO you want it to be? And now yeah. we get back to you coaching it. And so the more you work with it to create those actors to create those characters, right? The better production you're going to have, the better team mm -hmm. you're going to have. And now you can use that over 
and over yeah. and over again. I feel like as you build those personas too, those individuals yeah. say, hey, I know that now I've got to present to this person, this person, yep. this person. Pretend they're in here. Next time it's, oh, never mind. Sub that person, and, not this person's in that I've already told you about. And and what's the benefit, by the way? We keep talking about prompt and draw this. Yeah, anyone can do that. But you took the 20 hours, the 40 hours, the week to contextualize and to provide all of the information that that actor or persona or production needs in order to review stuff with the right boundaries. That's the value you brought. You are using your taste, your reaction, right? Your knowledge in a way that now is informing these generative AIs. And that's what makes it co-generative. And I wonder too, no one sees the director. Sorry, I was going to say, no one sees the director on the stage and a good production, you always say, I didn't see the director working. But there was a director there helping to get all of those actors and the stage manager and the lighting designer to all be on the same page. And that all started with some sort of metaphor, right? Some sort of something to get everyone aligned so they were all thinking in the same way. Yeah. And I wonder, too, if that's maybe another way for for folks to kind of help frame it up and package it to say it's it's not this one-off answer response. It's you're building this this body of of preference and of context that you can continue to use and is going to continue to grow. So you're investing an hour here, an hour there, an hour there, but it's not throwaway work. It's not a, hey, I've done it once. Now I need to scrap it and start over again in a completely new context. It's it learns and it grows and it it. Yeah, you continue to get those co-generative kind of learnings and and it evolves. Yeah, absolutely. And if you use the playground version of ChatGPT, there's a a platform playground.open.ai that you can go to. You can create those personas and save them. Mm. You don't have to keep copying it. They're just there. And you can say, I want you to use that one right there. And I want you to approach this problem from that perspective. And you've already created, right? You've gone through the hard work of refining that persona, getting that role really crisp, really the way you want it to be. I mean, it, you know, Josh's comment about the six pagers at Amazon. Amazon is not a company. I mean, it is, but really Amazon is hundreds of small companies inside it, right? I worked in five different teams in four and a half years. The perspective I brought in each of those roles was completely different. The, the when I met Josh, I was with Amazon Alexa. When I the last role I had was in the Amazon Leadership Institute. We didn't manage any products. I was coaching team leads. I was coaching folks in the C-suite on how to do things. Right, two different, entirely different perspectives for how to create something. Um, but I could build those personas and have them saved and to say, okay, I'm going to pull on that one in this mm-hmm. particular instance. And and here's. I just think the really fun thing, 90% of the products out there that you see that are AI-based products, generative AI, AI has mm-hmm. been around for years. I mean, right, Alexa was AI and Siri was AI. It's this generative AI thing. They're all just using, they're basically using fancy personas, <laughs> fancy actors, fancy productions, and they've just optimized them. But what? What's so amazing is that used to be in the realm of programmers. Mm-hmm. And something I sometimes say is it's not called programming science. It's called computer science. So if you can think 
the way that an AI thinks, you now you have the language, it's English. Yeah. You can do anything you want by talking to GPT, by talking to Claude too. And if you don't have access to those two, you need to, right? And there's going to be Bard, which is changing its name, right? And all these others. But it, it you just, it, once you have access to the main, you know, to, to the main platform, it's like Azure, um, Azure and AWS, like it's all the same framework. Everyone's just building stuff on top of it. And yeah. now you, you, like the person who's never known how to do all these fancy things that people went to college for and did all these training, you have the power to do that because you grew up speaking English. Yeah. Or you grew up speaking your language. That's empowering. That yeah. is not replacing you. That is actually helping you leap above everyone else. And if we're talking to an L&D audience, real quickly, I'll talk to them because that's what what has L&D always been good at? Behavior change. So now instead of human behavior change, who are we talking to? GPT, Claude, the human who's basically a tabula rasa, right? A white page, a, uh, and they don't know anything. Who is better equipped to help coach that than us, than people who've been managing people, than coaches? Yeah. So I we are well yeah. equipped to do yeah. that. I think yeah. that's a great way to like demystify and kind of like show the democratization of of how this can. You can be stole applied. my word, Patrick. <laughs> I was just going to use that. You know, the oh. internet really democratized information. Mm -hmm. What this has done is really unlock the ability for us to use advanced for anyone to use advanced reasoning to get to solutions rather than just answers. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it really, again, comes back to that. It's not the answer. It's the what's the process? What's the, the evolution of it? So this has been great. I'm having so much fun, but I want to be respectful of your guys' time. I feel like I can I can very much clue into the quote that you guys have on your side about your first meeting. And I feel like I could be there riffing with you for however long. Um, this has been- It's, again, it's an hours long. It's an yeah. hours long event. And in fact- <laughs> I, we're, we're, I'm thrilled. Um, later this week, I'll be going to Seattle to uh, spend some time with Josh and prepare for our presentation next week. So I'm, uh, you know, this, this stuff, yeah. this is, this is hours long. Yeah. And I think too, um, on, on that note, um, maybe you guys want to talk a little bit about where you'll be speaking. If somebody happens to be in the area or wants to make the trek out, like where, where are you guys going to be speaking? What are you going to be speaking on? And maybe more generally, where can they, and you talk about theater thing, but where else can people learn about more of what you're doing or get in touch with you. Sure. So next week on Wednesday at 1.15, we will be at DevLearn in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll be standing on the eLearning Brothers. Oh, I'm sorry. The ELB Learning Stage. They're not called eLearning Brothers anymore. The ELB Stage for about an hour talking about theater think and AI. Um, it's going to be really exciting because it's, you know, about 3,000 L&D folks will be there with us. Um, and hopefully they'll take some of this away and, and you know, take some of our ideas and, and implement them. Yeah. And I just, you know, what, what's really interesting about all this is we're one step ahead, but no one is 20 steps ahead. So no one is behind the eight ball right now. You know what I mean? Everyone can catch up. What we've just had the benefit, I think, of is we were thinking about this in terms of metaphor already. We were thinking about this in terms of 
oh, we're dealing with humans who need direction. And now we just realized, wow, that that actually applies really well to this whole generative AI thing. And so whether it's at the stage at DevLearn or even online or, or and LinkedIn or any of this, there is power in doing that. And by the way, everyone asks me, who's on top of this? Who's, where should I go for my, what are the podcasts? What are this? And obviously they should go to your podcast, right, Patrick? But <laughs> ask AI. Mm. You don't know how to do something. Just ask AI and it will tell you. And then you can react to it, which is what you've been doing your entire life. And if you need help doing that, we're here to help. Give us a ring, theaterthink.com. Perfect. Guys, Josh, Chuck, this has been awesome. And I think, too, like you said, if you're one step ahead, you guys are presenting this this kind of content and this way of thinking in a way that I think makes it very easy for anybody that's uninitiated or unfamiliar to kind of close that gap quickly. So I think so appreciative, so uh, inspired by the work that you guys are doing. Um, and yeah, hope that that anybody interested will, will reach out to you guys and, and learn more. But thanks so much appreciate for the time it. tonight. You bet. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Patrick. There's so much to cover in that hour and the time really flew by. I really feel like we only scratched the surface of content that Chuck and Josh could have dove into. And to let you in on a little secret, I really embraced the spirit of this episode and used generative AI prompts to build the intro to the show. Now, like much of what Chuck and Josh emphasized throughout their message, I wasn't able to just craft one perfect prompt to spit out the intro that we ended up with. It actually took some level of co-generation where I would give it one prompt and continually refine it over some time, but overall it really did help to save some time in a process that would otherwise be pretty manual. Now, this is only a very small sample of what this kind of technology has to offer, but hopefully it does illustrate how accessible it can be. More than anything, I hope that through the use of metaphors and example applications, you're able to picture how you might apply generative AI as a part of your own career journey. As always, if you have any thoughts or questions or ideas you'd like to hear covered in future episodes, you can send them to me at patrick at prgscoach.com. And if you also have a unique story of your own or feel as though you have something to offer the world as far as career development advice goes, I'd love to hear from you. And with that, I'll sign off with a certain type of perfection can only be realized through the limitless accumulation of the imperfect. Thanks for listening in, and we'll talk more in our next episode.